Hello there. Welcome to Rome FM. Here we dive into the minds, workflows, and machinations of the Rome cult, the believers of Rome research. My name is Norman Cella, and I am on a mission to deconstruct wisdom from all walks of life so we can understand each other better. In this episode, we talk with RJ Nestor, who is a business and executive coach, musician, and writer. Also, novelist and short story writer and screenwriter. Does quite a lot of writing. He is a communication and productivity expert with 20 years of experience helping people say what they mean to say and do what they mean to do. From coaching actors on how to sing to teaching communication principles to business leaders, those performing on stage, and more. RJ provides the tools and guidance to execute your ideas and realize your potential. And with the introduction of Rome Research, his ability to provide that value for you is now multiplied because he is trying out a lot of things here. So we talked about quite a number of topics ranging from his background in musical theater and music composition to his ability to juggle multiple creative projects from writing screenplays to short stories and novels using David Allen's Getting Things Done, and what led him to Rome in a specific subreddit of a rival app, RJ's workflows and how he starts his day the night before, and his special system called Bomber, brainstorm, organize, make, and refine, capturing all of the chaos in our heads, articulating them in a way where we Romans are proud of showing whatever creations that we have to the rest of the world. All in between a conversation around creativity and the lack of confidence behind upcoming new Romans in designing their own system and how RJ's upcoming course, Your Road to Rome, can help with that. And learning to sing and how RJ instructs you to not sing to learn how to sing. So without further ado, let's dive into my chat with RJ Nestor of Your Road to Rome. Right. So do I refer to you as RJ? Is that perfectly fine? That's okay. perfectly fine. Okay. Yep. I'm named after my two grandfathers who were Ray and James. And so I've always gone by RJ to differentiate from them. Right. So it's been RJ okay. my whole life. Awesome. That's, that's, I got to say a pretty catchy <laughs> name. Um, two letters, two syllables. Uh, perfect and for not anybody. too common in that order. So it works out pretty well. There's a lot of JRs I grew up with, not, but not very many RJs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. RJ. And I know that we actually met even before this call at yes. the Rome Creators Hangout. And we were just chatting even before we started that actual talk, mm-hmm. um, which is fantastic because we got the call booked and then we met on the Hangout beforehand. <laughs> I was like, right. oh, cool. Yeah, RJ is coming on, which is pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, there, There is this certain feeling or this certain element of serendipity behind the faded members of that first Hangout, I feel, because... As creators, we wanted to come together in this environment to try and create something for ourselves. And Rome is the way to do that. But we don't know, shall we say, the best way to do that. Are there any best practices? What are some good examples? So I honestly really wanted to start this off by saying I really do appreciate that you came uh, to the event because it's it almost feels like I've met someone who is just as passionate as myself uh, about Rome. Well, yes, I, I think that's true. And I just really appreciated you having the event. It's mm. Rome, as you say, is I see of it as sort of as, as a way of collaborating with myself. <laughs> but right. I'm a collaborative person in terms of, you know, working with with others as well. And so I think that that's it's great to have that uh, 
to have that opportunity to get together and talk about those things. Right. Yeah. And we have this tool to help with laying out all the different circles that we belong in terms of collaborating with ourselves, our past selves, <laughs> our future selves, and Absolutely. other people in this space. So might as well, I wanted to start this off by asking, how did you even discover this tool? Because we have all this amazing flourishing moments where we can talk about these things, these possibilities. But if we take some time to go back to the dark times when we were not bestowed upon this amazing tool, I would love to hear, RJ, your origin story. What were you doing or what were you up to uh, before discovering Rome Research and how did you discover it? Absolutely. So I'll, I'll give you the uh, the medium length version. Sure. So uh, <laughs> uh, my training and, and most of my experience is actually in music and theater. So my uh, I got degrees in music composition and in conducting. Um, I'm a singer. I'm a piano player. And so I wound up working with musicals a lot. Uh, with musical theater being a significant art form here in the United States and uh, and particularly in the area where I am, there weren't any major orchestras for me to go conduct. But there were a lot of a lot of uh, theaters doing shows, colleges, some professional, some community. So I got into doing theater and that got me into to teaching actors to sing. Uh, so the very short version of that uh, as an underpinning to what we're talking about here is that coaching an actor to sing is a communication act. Uh, you're not just as a singer, you're not just, you know, learning what the sounds are, but you're also focusing on how you are conveying that uh, to an audience and, and what the character's choices are and, and what their objectives are in that moment. And so I discovered uh, that I was developing a toolkit and a uh, vocabulary for communication. Mm. And I began to look for other opportunities to make use of that uh, toolkit that I was creating. And I knew that there was, uh, you know, an opportunity within the business community to, to coach communication. That was my first um, foray into the, the, the business world, if you will. And that was about five years ago is when I started making that transition. And then about three and a half years ago is when I uh, started my business in that territory. Uh, so I, uh, have been then doing the, I say transition, I'm still doing music and stuff too, yeah. but I'm also, then I added the, uh, the communication coaching component parallel with that around 2014. Um, I was in the midst of putting together a short film at the same time we were producing a musical I had written. And so it got pretty chaotic and I read David Allen's getting things done. Uh, and right. so and then I implemented that in Todoist at the time. So I've been also then developing my productivity system built around the foundation of getting things done. Uh, and I did that in Todoist for six years. You know, if you've ever used Todoist, uh, they have a karma system and I was enlightened. So <laughs> uh, my joke, my joke has been, I'm, I was so enlightened that when I found Rome, I immediately left. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You Todoist. have fallen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But the, uh, what led me to Rome was actually the concept of Zettelkasten. I was reading up on that maybe last October, last November-ish, and kind of learning the, the basics of it. 
And I hadn't read how to take smart notes yet. I read that in around March, around the same time as I started with Rome. But I was in Notion at the time. Uh, and I was I just could not figure out how to implement my Zettelkasten in Notion. Like I could figure out how to organize it, right. but I was I was committing the fundamental <clears throat> error, which is this is something I know better than in my creative process, but I was creating the hierarchy in advance of the content. Uh, my uh, musical theater roots always show when I mention Stephen Sondheim, who's a major music theater composer um, of the, he's like 90 now, but he, uh, he, he has a great quote on that. And that is content dictates form. And so often we get in the mindset that we need to think the form first and then cram the content into that form, but it doesn't work. We can create a hierarchy, but then things don't necessarily work. That's the mistake I was making in notion. And I think that's partly because that's sort of a fundamental, I don't want to pick on Notion, but it's sort of a fundamental thing is that the way those things, Notion works, it's harder to generate from the ground up. It's right. easier to dictate from the top down. So I was in a Notion subreddit, probably the Notion subreddit, um, around Feb, uh, a bit of early March. It would have been early March. And that's where I saw somebody mention Rome Research. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'll go look and see what this thing is. And like most people, I looked at it at first and said, I have no idea what this thing is. Um, because it's sort of, you know, <laughs> you're just there on a blank page. And this was still back when it was, you know, free to hop on board. Just a few weeks were left, though, before they they closed the gates there. Uh, you know, what early, early April that was or what it was. But that was once I had started working in it just a little bit, I realized, okay, not only is this where... I can build my settle custom that I'm finally figuring out how, what this is. Uh, but I want to bring everything over here. Uh, I want to build my tasks and my task management system over here. Uh, not because Rome has a structure in place for that, but because of its, the way it's built, I can make the structure for what I need in Rome and keep it nice and clean over here and have a structure for this over here. And they can all live in the same graph and they can all inform each other, but stay as only as integrated as I need them to be and they can stay separate and they can stay together. And it's so when, when I saw that power, I knew that this was, that was where I needed to be for what I was doing. That's uh, the, in the middle length version of how I discovered Rome uh, is that it, it, it took that sort of years of creative output and communication coaching and the the uh, productivity background and showed me that oh, okay all these things can exist in this one space it was the answer to that uh, long long time dream of having an app where i can put all that kind of stuff together at once it's that culmination of experiences that made you realize i need something like this the following mm -hmm. but in apps like Notion or uh, where else uh, there is friction and all of a sudden you have Rome where Rome is the actual embodiment of content dictates form, which is actually, exactly. I'm going to be very honest, it's, I feel like I have read that somewhere and it's very hard to, logically I can understand what it means, but to embrace it in my day-to-day -day routine is a very very different story and actually right before right before this i was in twitter dms with a somebody else who was listening to the show and he uh there's this uh 
person who is, who listens to the show and he was looking for he was interested in hearing more about how do people organize their trains of thought right and i was curious about that phrasing because it is semantically speaking the verb organize comes before everything else but if we take the role of content dictates form it should be trains of thought should encourage organization um, yes so I feel like there's this convergence of people who are using row and and over time they realize that as much structure as you can try to impose from yourself into Rome, eventually it's just a lot more natural and faster if you just throw as much as you can in there and then test out features, you know, a bit of Rome right. here, a bit of Rome there, and it will naturally grow. It will naturally uh, build uh, upon itself. Uh, I, I do want to touch on something that that you mentioned. Uh, you said that you tried Rome before before the gates were closed, and you were like, "Oh, it's okay." And then <laughs> you, and then you realized something. Like you realized the the potential behind it. Can you mm-hmm. can you could you uh, remember what was the aha moment that led you to think like, "Oh, what I've been dreaming about until now, it can work here." I, I would love to hear like that that moment. <laughs> Yeah, I had a novel that was stalled in writing for two years. And within about three days of using Rome, I wrote several thousand words um, in, on the concept. And that that was it. Uh, and it was I, I, I really had only been using Rome for three or four days. And I said, well, let me just give this a try and see what happens. And it was like it exploded. And I had uh, and of course, the, the hilarious part is because I've now gotten into doing so many other things in Rome. I'm not stalled on the novel, but the progress, I, I'm not writing thousands of words every other day, you know, in there. Um, you know, it's, it's a few hundred here, a few hundred there only because I'm doing so many other things because Rome has opened up so many other, uh, opportunities and possibilities for me. But yeah, it was that it was, and it was, I was in maybe three, I was using it consistently, maybe three weeks before they closed the gates. Uh, and that was, uh, it was, very nice to be in before they closed and it was very nice to have that I, my my where we were here in the in the states things started kind of closing down for the pandemic around middle of march and that was exactly when i found rome and i don't honestly it's it's it was extremely serendipitous for me to find it at that time because i would have probably been uh instead of just you know wasting away uh, for those couple of months i was learning how to use this new tool and learning how it uh, you know could affect my work and my life. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I'm hearing this a lot, actually, uh, some benefits to 2020, even though it can be a little <laughs> bit chaotic. Okay. Little is a little, little is kind of an understatement, but e- even though there are a lot of things happening around the world, um, the ability to stay at home and find a craft, uh, to work on. And in your case, as well as mine, uh, we chose to learn or take upon the hobby of network thinking uh, <laughs> through Rome research. Yep. Um, makes 2020 a little bit better than uh, than than most people would imagine. So uh, I find it pretty interesting that there's a great coincidence behind you uh, discovering it. So let's let's dive into that part actually, mm-hmm. since sure. you have multiple creative projects you have mm-hmm. different forms of coaching which i will touch on uh in a sure. bit and i know that you have a few upcoming uh courses uh but 
if you could tell me, and I, I've and I've looked on your website for a uh, for a bit, uh, which gives me a little bit insight into your workflow. <laughs> um, how do you use Rome? Like, do you start off with your your template that starts off on Monday morning, or is there some level of preparation beforehand? Are there are there any facets of your week and or elements that you should take into account before you initiate putting any writing anything or any block sure. within your Rome graph? Uh, you just throw it at me and uh, <laughs> we'll see if I can pin it down for you. <laughs> sure. So, well, let me let me take one sort of meta step up and say that in general, the thing that Rome uh, empowers for me is I, I have a system and I've used this for several years. I call bomber B O M R brainstorm, organize, make refine. And I apply that to creativity. I apply that to productivity. I apply that to communication. Everything in some way is a process of, as you said, that you were talking about when you were talking about organization a moment ago, it's taking those threads of thought. When I say brainstorm, it might be previous ideas. It might be things you've read. It might be your notes. That's why I got into Zettelkasten was I saw that relationship there between that and Bomber that I was doing. But whatever it is, it's always that kind of order from the from the most, uh, you know, disparate and chaotic place to I start to structure and organize them to I, you know, I create whatever this thing is and then I do it multiple times. I iterate it as I refine it. So that's sort of the underpinning of everything that I'm doing in Rome. And the thing that drew me there uh, was the ability to easily iterate, uh, to, e to easily do every one of those steps uh, is that everything can live in there. So. Uh, as I've as I've iterated my process within Rome, uh, to answer your question directly, here I have a a uh, template that I that I have for each day, and it's the same every day. But I have some different things that I go in and co go in and come out depending on what day of the week it is right. or what the specifics are. But essentially, the night before I create that template, I have it built out in Text Expander, so I just type you know dot morn m-o-r-n and for morning and uh and bam there it'll all be and essentially i have it up here so if when i look up my screen is a is above me so the, above the camera so sometimes i look up and my wife tells me i look like i'm an insane person looking off into the distance <laughs> somewhere but that's where the other screen is which is why but just right. looking at it right now i have a little morning assessment that i do which is a little um a little bit toward self-coaching a little bit toward uh journaling a la uh Tracy Winchell. Um, but the uh, it's that morning assessment is just really, where is my energy? Uh, you know, how did I sleep? Um, and then and then a few questions to focus toward my work for the day and what I, you know, what I wanted to accomplish that day. I have my agenda, which is sort of the output of my task management system. So it's, it's the place where the, the rubber meets the road for all my next actions and various things in my getting things done. I, I the night before populate that agenda. Uh, so I have an idea what I'm going to do. I'm very much in the David Allen camp of, I don't put things on my calendar unless they are specifically time related. Like if a meeting is at right. one, that's going to go on my calendar. But if it's just something I need to get done, I'm not going to put that on my calendar because then I don't trust my calendar anymore because it's a collection of some things that have to be done at certain times and others that might be done at certain times. And then it, then it's kind of chaos for me. And I don't like that kind of chaos. Uh, but the agenda is sort of the middle ground where I can gather things and say, well, I know I'm going to have some time here. What are some of the things I might uh, do in this span? Uh, and then I have a little log section that I'm using right now 
for again uh, so so uh, I guess I'll mention Tracy Winchell a couple times here uh, but uh, the interstitial uh, journaling um, I use the log area to kind of track my transitions between tasks and things like that and that's still relatively new um, I haven't been doing that for very long uh, but I found it quite useful um, because as you know especially in the run-up to our United States election uh, uh, our focus can easily be drawn toward you know the news over here or Twitter over here or whatever the, that helps me just transition from one thing to the next. And then I have a little place that I have, it's called notes created today. And this is, hmm. uh, this is uh, reinforcing my settle custom so that I have a place that I can go back and see them. Yes. Rome timestamps the page creation and block creation, but it's hard to get at. And so I just like having a little section of my page that just simply states, these are the notes I created today. And I just put them there as I create them, uh, depending on the day of the week, Different things are going to show up in that agenda because my task management system has a structure for the daily tasks and the weekly tasks and the monthly tasks and the annual tasks. Uh, and uh, but other than that, that's the that's the basic thing. And I do then I do a, a more robust self coaching on Monday morning, which also uh, is is on goes on that page, the daily notes page. That's it, though. That's basically my template. Wow, uh, I'm I'm feeling I'm sensing some overlaps of my own. Which is pretty cool. Uh, actually, I I can fully understand it from your explanation, which is which is great. Thank you so much for that. Um, Absolutely. I I also have a tag for notes created today, which sounds very redundant, right? For anyone listening, um, as RJ just mentioned, you you obviously have like timestamps and metadata for each block created. No matter which page you are on, if you create a block and it you know records the time of. I'm assuming the time of the maybe the global time recorded on the internet or the time on your laptop or whatever it is. Um, but there's a time element to it. But this tag, at least I feel, and maybe you can chime in on this, I feel it instills within me the thinking mode or a thinking context switch so that when I'm in this tag or anything underneath this tag is the result of me in a state of thinking or in a state of exploration, or if we take your analogy, it would be in a state of brainstorming slash organizing. Um, I'm, and Rome takes the bulk of that organization, but but brainstorming, Rome is useless if there's nothing put into it. Like we have to brainstorm into it for Rome to be useful. Um, so having a tag to nest all the resultant sessions that we have when it comes to brainstorming whatever random note comes up in our heads, uh, really helps i really honestly like i can really work well with your template actually that's that's pretty awesome uh i'm not uh, i'm not a i have a morning template and i have fallen out of it which is which is quite a problem um and actually i might as well just i might as well just ask you uh from your years of trying to build this uh routine which i feel is based on the foundation of david allen's gtd uh there are two questions. One is how did you build how did you build the habit of initiating this same routine over and over again from the morning or from the night before? And or the second one would be have you tried anything else beyond GTD in terms of task management? Because I'm curious to see that, that that you're very firm about David Allen's philosophy. Uh is there what what's the magic about the magic behind it? I'll, I'll take that second question first. Then uh, the magic yeah. behind it for me is that it works. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I can't, I, I, 
I don't claim to be, you know, a, um, a connoisseur of other types of productivity methods. Um, I certainly tried a number of task management things prior uh, to GTD, but nothing ever stuck. And I can tell, I can answer that first question as well. You asked how I built the habit. It is all about the inbox. Everything is about capturing um, and processing those things that you captured one at a time. If you can get that part down, and I think that's why that's why I love Rome so much, is it takes what would be the task inbox and turns it into everything. It's my entire collection of everything shows up in Rome. So I, if I right. have an idea, it's going in. I have a different inbox for my ideas. I have a tag that's fleeting. Um, it, well, the tag is literally fleeting. It's not like the tag is, you know, I'm not describing the tag as fleeting. Tag is hashtag <laughs> fleeting. Um, <laughs> and those notes that go in there are are destined for the title custom. If it's going to be something that's task management, I tag it inbox. And those no, those ideas and things are destined to be processed. And maybe you're not, maybe it'll wind up in the task management system or maybe it won't, but that's the, that's the, you know, flow there. And I process both of those areas once a day. Now I'm way behind on my fleeting notes. Not, I'm not, not because I'm not doing them, but just because I have so many to go in. Right. <laughs> I'm constantly playing catch up over there. Uh, but I love that because it means that I'm revisiting ideas that I actually had, you know, three or four weeks ago. It's actually a nice context to kind of reprompt and, uh, and create some new ideas. Uh, with the inbox though, those, that's processed every single day. And that was the habit for me, uh, getting them into the inbox and processing, processing them once a day, that was everything. And to the point where when I'm coaching productivity, not only do I start with that, but I say for people, if you can do this, the rest of the system doesn't matter that much. It matters. You need to have a place to keep your projects, but it doesn't necessarily matter if it's exactly in a getting things done methodology. What matters is that you're actually writing the things down that you need to do and you're processing them so that you know that you, you know where they go uh, so that you'll know where to find them later. That's the habit. And so I don't, although I am firm in GTD uh, and I certainly do believe the, the, the calendar thing I said earlier, uh, it is for me, it is the capture and process steps that are the critical ones. Those are the ones that made all the difference for me. Yeah. Uh, I've, I, I see that as well, especially when, as soon as you have the inbox or as soon as you have the capture habit strong enough, you will know what to do next. Like things start to naturally fall into place. So the flexibility of one's, shall we say, task management or execution system, it doesn't have to be so rigid. Uh, which was, I actually was going to ask, like, do <laughs> you often break your system if if time allows it or if your state of being allows it? Uh, and sure. it, it seems like you do, yeah. I, you know, and I think that the, the key for me is this. We have a this is sort of this is sort of a, a philosophical thing on the world, but also on, <laughs> on, 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 on productivity is the idea that we have a tendency to think of structure as being rigid and controlling when in reality, structure creates freedom. Uh, if I want to know what the next thing is, if I if I want to feel free in the moment to do whatever it is that I need to do in this moment, Having no idea what to do is not free. <laughs> having, a, you know, a structure that I know that if I miss something or I forget something, I know that I can go there and I'm going to find it. Uh, 
then I'm truly free to make a decision in this moment and do something because I'm not worried about it. I feel the same way about creativity and creating an outline for a script. Uh, Say I'm writing a screenplay or a, a play or a novel or whatever. The outline doesn't restrict me to the outline. The outline gives me the power to explore new things because I know I have a thing that I can always go back to, modify, adapt, switch, or just simply say, yeah, you know what? I was right the first time and go back to the outline. Because I have the structure, I'm free to play within that structure. No structure at all. It's the reason people have uh, writer's block. It's the reason that the blank canvas is the scariest thing or the blinking cursor on the white screen is the scariest thing. It's the reason that Zettelkasten is about, you know, the writing process essentially being three quarters done before you even start the book or the paper. Um, All of that structure is there already. It may be emergent structure. It may be that it's brainstorm, you know, it's flown in, flow, it has it has flowed in, not flown in, though that works too. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's all gone into that system uh, and it's all been created by you or, or adapted by you or, or, you know, in some way colored by your experience. Uh, but it's all then there for you to draw from when you're doing when you're doing the creative work or the productive work or the, you know, the, whatever it is coming out the other end, uh, you have that structure to create that freedom. There's a quote in um, what it's in um, uh, Douglas Hofstadter's book, uh, Le Temps Beau de Moreau. And I'm not a French speaker, so I don't do very well with that though. As a singer, you learn to speak in these other, not to um, pronounce the other languages. So for, forgive me any French speakers that I may have mangled there. Um, But the quote is from a friend of his, and he includes it. Structures, strictures, though they bind, strangely liberate the mind. And I think that that's it's very much in line with my content content dictates form idea that the you know, the it's not the more structure, the more free, but it's the right structure, the more free. Uh, And you, you they may they may constrict you in some ways, but it is in that it is in that constriction that we no narrows our exploration it gives us a place to look it helps us find creative solutions that simply having all solutions available to us at once doesn't allow that that's a long answer sorry no no it was was pretty pretty fascinating (laughs) answer to be honest it is uh i i look at it as uh creative constraints as in exactly what it is if you have a and I'm sure that's probably used as a term somewhere. And I just, I just remember it popping up in my head. Uh, if I visualize it, it's like a path towards an end goal. And I know the end goal. And all I have to do is just look to my left and to my right. It's the width of the road that I'm allowed to walk upon for me to arrive at that end goal. But the way or the method in which I arrive is up to me. So when you have too much freedom and arriving at an end goal how long will it take for you to arrive at that and you know the resultant creativity behind us trying to create something whether it's a screenplay or a novel um does have to be it it has to be leashed up to a certain point right because we want to arrive at that goal we're not playing around we want to express right we want to articulate something uh so i really uh do appreciate that has your structure of definition expanded over time before and after you started using rome 
has the has the actual structure the structure itself has changed significantly because right. uh, my, one of my uh, uh, I, I don't know if I can claim this quote or not I did make it up but somebody else may have come up with it at some point I say once you learn to think like Rome Rome will learn to think like you I think that getting used to how Rome is structured the basics of the pages and the indentation all of that changed the way that I entered stuff that you know it changed the the input flow but I don't it has just simply facilitated a better output flow for me. Right. I don't know that it's necessarily changed the fundamental nature of what my structure is. It certainly hasn't changed the fundamental nature of my getting things done structure. Um, it, it's facilitated it. It's made it a lot, it's made it a lot better, um, but it hasn't changed it, uh, but it has changed. I, I you know, I, I write with a collaborator. Um, we've written several musicals and uh, produced a short film, done a few things here and there, but he and I, always used to have three, you know, word files, or there was one period they were, you know, Google docs files. And there was another, they were, you know, open office, which is now LibreOffice files, whether well, it's depending on, but they're all just documents and right. we'd have a notes file an outline file. And then the drafts, you know, whatever the drafts were. And the notes file was always, if the, you know, screenplays 16 to 20,000 words generally in that ballpark can be more. I mean, if it's Lord of the Rings extended, it's probably more like 30 or 40,000 words, <laughs> but the, uh, in general, uh, but our notes files would always be like 60 or 70,000 words. Our oh outline file would be 40 or 50,000 words of, you know, just iterations. And then the drafts would be down at the normal length. And that process was just, you know, essentially free form writing in, in the notes file. And we'd, if something, you know, we get to, okay, now we're going to take another pass at it. We'd go back and copy and paste the relevant things down below and all of that. Now I just block reference them. I don't have to copy and paste anything. I go back into the previous draft and I pull forward with a block reference, those things that I, that are still going to exist. And if those things then change, I, replace with text and alias so that I can then change, you know, I can change the text, but I still have that link to the previous thought. Previously, when I was doing that kind of stuff in, in, in a notes file, it was just one long, you know, disconnected thing until you looked in, read the whole thing and figured out where the connections were. Now, all of these things are beautifully linked back through, which is relevant because sometimes you take a journey that winds up not being the right journey right is not right. the right word the, the 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 one that that fulfills the story that you're trying to tell best and you'll go back through and you're like oh oh no this is where i wanted that idea to go originally and it's really hard to do that in a just a big blob of a document it's crazy easy to do it in rome because i can just bounce back through my references and see oh this is the place where i took the wrong turn. This is the place that I need to go back to and re-envision what the next step of the journey will be or something, you know, whatever. It just makes those, it makes that process so that I can, all this stuff can live in the same place. It can all be referenced one thing to the other. Uh, it makes the creative process and the um, editing, if you will, process, the going back through and seeing, it makes everything so much easier because I can track everything uh along the, the the line of thought that i've had the whole time right because so, even if rome didn't exist you'd still be doing these exact same steps anyway right, right. except that yes. it's going to take maybe i don't know i don't know how many hours i don't know what the a sessions are yeah a lot, a lot longer, longer uh between yes. you and your uh 
fellow uh, co-writer or a collaborator. I, I'm he curious. He does not about... work in Rome, by the way. I was um, just about to ask. Oh. Yeah, no, he doesn't. <laughs> no, I've, over the years, I've I've uh, wrangled him occasionally into apps, but I it just isn't his. It isn't his workflow. Sure. Uh, he doesn't work that. My my collaborator is a an absolute ideas machine like he can just turn thing out turn things out but he has a hard time developing them i am a i i come up with ideas okay but my my role is the churner <laughs> mm. i've always been the churner and rome allows me to churn a lot more effectively uh, than anything else i've ever done this is really interesting to hear <laughs> workflows of a you know, like a final product or behind the scenes uh, of mm -hmm. a creator. When Rome is involved, it, it it feels good to see or it feels good to hear like, oh, use the following features that I use normally in Minecraft, <laughs> but you use it to create this wonderful screenplay or this wonderful novel. Wait, so is this thing, uh, is this screenplay already out? Like, is it like, like uh, well, can I technically have, watch it? We, we have a short film. I don't even know that I still have the site up. We, we, did ma we made a short film um about a mining disaster i live in west virginia and there was a in uh, uh which is a which to those who may not know west virginia has been defined for about 150 years by coal mining i may have gone a little too far back and say 150 but but it's close and uh and all of the various things that go along with that the dangers the union versus the owners the you know all of the various things that go into that stuff um well there was a significant mining disaster uh, in 1968. And we wrote a feature length screenplay about that disaster. Um, and as then part of, you know, putting together a package for it, we, we created a short film. Um, we, we have not yet pursued the full length version of that because we, again, we live in West Virginia. It's a little harder to connect with the folks who are actually making these sorts of films. We've been out to LA a couple of times. Um, but Los Angeles is, not the place we live. <laughs> so ah. generating those, the, the flow of that is, is harder, but the, so we don't have a, we don't have a feature length screenplay up. We do have a musical uh, that, that, that tours our state every year uh, that we produce. And uh, we, so that's what David and I have talked. That's my collaborator. We've talked that we need to have a, a site uh, where we actually put up uh, the, the screenplays, not because, you know, it's just just so that we have an outlet for that, because it is a major financial hurdle to get from a, you know, document that is on paper <laughs> to a feature film uh, that has been made. And neither of us consider ourselves, you know, that's not our skill set. Creating a film, uh, writing is one thing, but creating it is another matter. So, no, I'm sorry, you can't go watch our our uh, feature film. Uh, but uh, or films we've had a few screenplays but uh, maybe someday hopefully we've our, our focus has turned a little bit more toward uh novels and short stories simply because when you're done with a novel or a short story that is the final form <laughs> i right, don't require right. <laughs> i don't require somebody else to then produce it uh on film or on stage but uh so that's where we are right now is is uh from a creative standpoint right i tend to forget that a screenplay isn't exactly the full expression of the experience that you are trying to convey here. Yep. Technically, it's, it's like, exactly, right? It's just blueprints. Mm -hmm. Oh, I forget. Yeah. It's just, mm -hmm. 
It, yeah, it's just like a guide or a handbook. Like, oh, this is what happened. These are the characters. They'll say this <laughs> exactly. and that. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah, part no, of if, the reason. If you remember when uh, the when uh, J.K. Rowling, uh, you know, everybody reads Harry Potter, and notwithstanding her current, uh, you know, Twitter issues, <laughs> um, but <laughs> the then they released the play, The Cursed Child, which she didn't write the right. play, but they released it in book form, and people got it, and they're like what the heck is this thing? Uh, and I haven't even read it because I, I know that, I, I mean, I could read a play, but I don't, I'm not interested in reading the play. I'd be interested in watching the play right, because right. The, 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 it, the, again, the script is a blueprint for a play. It's a little closer to the final product than a screenplay is because, you know, at least it's, you know, that with a play, it's going to all happen in front of you in real time with a screenplay. It's all edited together, you know, and from, and filmed at different times, and different locations. But, uh, but still people don't know how to read a play because they don't know how to add the part that, you know, they don't know how to interpret an actor's performance as that's such a huge, the director and the actor and the designers and all those things that go into that is such a huge part of the process that when it's on the page, often it seems very inert. Uh, and only if you're, if you're aware of how those other things work and can kind of picture them, does it, does it really work on the page? Right. And we take for granted when that happens, actually, as a viewer mm -hmm. of a play yeah. or a musical or a performance on stage, which is the result of months of trying to deconstruct this screenplay or this play or this script. Uh, and we just sit there enamored by all these uh, amazing performances. And, you know, they they fill in the nonverbal cues, the the directions or they point our attention towards what is needed attention or like what needs attention instead of you know giving the screenplay to a reader and be like yeah just imagine it right, right that, that's a, exactly. that's a lot of effort right that's a lot of brain power like you have to visualize the entire thing in your head you have to imagine the music you have to imagine the actors are they shouting are they crying uh, are are they singing so yeah no i i can see that um but but i still want to see i, I would love to even then even if it is, shall we say, incomplete in terms of articulation of the experience, mm -hmm. I would still want to see the screenplay out there because not only, yeah, yeah, yeah not agree, not only, yeah. um, like e even you just explaining it to me now, I I don't know anything about mining disasters in West Virginia. <laughs> I've also never right. ever visited the U.S. So in terms of my mm -hmm. knowledge of what happens in either West Virginia or in the U.S., uh, it's sure. very limited. But hearing you explain it to me makes me think like oh okay cool and maybe a website to explain the story behind the screenplay mm -hmm. and to imagine like what goes through it uh even for members of even for users of room research like at the very least we already have a connection with the screenplay in that sure this has this Rome was used to make this, right? Rome was used to make this <laughs> well, screenplay. This, That's this so was, cool. This was pre-Rome. I can't, oh, I can't okay, claim okay. that. Yes, yes, okay, yes. Okay. I didn't create it with Rome. Uh, okay. I would have if Rome existed. <laughs> <laughs> right. So for I, wrote any, the, I wrote the screenplay in maybe 2013-ish in right. that territory. So, yeah. So uh, if there are any other uh, mining disasters across the U.S. Uh, who... Uh, uh, people might want to hear a screenplay about or want, might want to see uh, maybe contact so, RJ. Or yeah, there, were so, there were so many in West Virginia. Um, ju well, just because the safety was not uh, 
priority. Right. Uh, it, it, you know, this, th- this one the, that happened in Farmington, West Virginia uh, in, in 1968 was the one that prompted a lot of the safety regulations that then came in to be in the modern era. But there had been even worse ones before. This one, for some reason, I, I don't recall precise details, but this one really captured the national attention, uh, largely because there was a period of 10 days where there were miners trapped inside. They didn't know whether they were alive or, or dead. And so it's, it, it became a, and ultimately the, the sad news is they had to seal the mine to stop the fires without ever knowing um, to what extent they were alive or dead. And, and only 20 of the 78 that died were recovered some years later. So it was, it was a huge national event, you know, all of the, all of the networks that there were, of course, there weren't very many then yeah, <laughs> in 1968, yeah. but the few that were there and all had correspondence there in, in little Farmington, West Virginia and all. So yeah, it was a big thing. Mm. Not that it has anything to do with Rome research, but just, <laughs> no, no, no it, it doesn't, but I, I, I still, I, I still appreciate it. It's a little bit of history and, you know, having a tool for network thinking, be able to record that and exactly right. express yes. it in a format where, we can be entertained and informed uh, at the same time. And it's only under the guise of someone who can be creative enough to actually melt that together or blend it together, (laughs) such as yourself. so Which, I, you know, if I can, let me jump on that point very briefly. Sure, Sure. I think one of the things that I love so much about Rome is that it is a way for people who don't understand that they are creative to be creative. Uh, you know, I, I, as I said, I teach people to sing and a lot of people think, well, I can't sing or whatever. And I'm telling you, you can sing uh, unless you literally are tone deaf, which is very few people. You can learn to sing. You've just blocked that pathway. Uh, and the same thing's true of creativity. And Rome is that magnificent tool that I say, hey, you know what? My creative process is I write a bunch of stuff down and then I look at it and then I figure out what's good and what's not. And then I do the next step and then I look at it again. Like anybody can do that. It's uh, the, the ideas don't come from, you know, magical lightning bolts from the sky. Uh, they come because you develop them. They come because you put them in a place and you spin them around and you develop them. And that's what I think is so magnificent about Rome is that it's a tool that really anybody can do that. You just have to believe, I, I think I said this on Twitter the other day, I think that the one of the hurdles, I think, for a lot of people that make them not know what to do with Rome is they don't think that the things that they're thinking are worth writing down right? Uh, because they seem mundane. And it's like, well, yeah, they, everybody thinks mundane stuff. And the difference between, uh, you know, me and Einstein is Einstein looks at the mundane stuff and looks at other mundane stuff and puts the mon- those two things together. And now the thing is a little less mundane. And then he looks at that thing and looks at another thing and puts it together. And now it's, you know, a bit of an insight. And then, you know, over time it becomes revolutionary. That's not all ideas are going to do that, but you know what I'm saying? And that's where Rome has that power that write your stuff down. Don't be afraid to put it in there. Even if you don't know what it's, what it is or what it's going to be, because it may become something upon review. It may become something as you revisit it. That's what I love about Rome. So not to jump in on the point, but that's where, for me, that's where the, that's letting people recognize that creativity is not um, magical, uh, that creativity is not, you know, something that comes from, from the sky. It's something that you, that's a craft. You work on things, you develop things and Rome's a magnificent tool for that. 
yeah, I honestly do uh, agree. I look at Rome as a gym and you go to lift weights of your thoughts. And the more that you lift like that. Yeah. and the more that you train yourself and creativity becoming a muscle that you hone over time. You know, when you write a bunch of stuff down, you it, it's not about... And I, I'm getting lost for words here, mainly because when you were explaining this, I've just came to realize something. We may have a very different... People may have very different definitions of creativity in mm-hmm. that things that are creative are considered creative as if they are spontaneously creative. Right. As in we don't see the inner machinations behind what allowed the person to arrive at that answer. Um, right. Which is huge, right? Like someone, yes. we would always look at, say, an artist or an actor who we deem to be extremely creative, a huge genius in their craft, which is fantastic. But we only see them for their present time from our observational point of view. So we look at their total accumulated experience. Yes. And therefore deem them creative. But we that haven't looked at their correct. years of training, years of failing, <laughs> yes. years of looking down, writing in the mundane uh, and thinking, oh, I, there's no point writing this in my room or there's no point writing this in my notebook. And And I'm sure that you have written a few things like novels, short stories, or screenplays mm-hmm. that that maybe you don't want to send them to LA uh, to yeah, be made correct. into a feature film. Yes. <laughs> um, you are not wrong about that. <laughs> but it's it, it's practice. Like everything that we do right. now is practice for something three months later, right? Everything that we do now, everything that we do three months later is practice for something one year later. Uh, but mm-hmm. to arrive at that state of being where we may seem or we may deem to be creative, according to other people, we must start off by accepting and embracing the level of creativity that we are at right now, which is writing down the mundane and the boring. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember writing, uh, t- tweeting out this, uh, this thing where I, I call it the Genesis block, which is the very first block that we have created ever in our room graph. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really fascinating to see what other people have created on their very first day of Rome. Um, I think my first block was like, Today, I tried Rome research and then I turned <laughs> the page, wrote, yes. right? Yeah, something like that, right? Yes. Something dumb, right? Yes. I wasn't being creative. I wasn't being <laughs> what have you, but on paper, it doesn't. It seems like that. But actually, I was trying to learn about the tool. I was trying yep. to set the foundation on which I can actually add mundane thing A, mundane thing B, and create something uh, C, which is the result of like what you were saying to think like Rome, therefore Rome will learn to think uh, like you. And actually yes. on that point, since we were on the subject of creativity, mm-hmm. you do teach people how to sing or you do coach people in terms yes. of learning to sing. Uh, in your description on your site, you talk mm-hmm. about non-singing, which is which has <laughs> yes. to be, which has caught my eye. So could you tell yes. me what is not singing? What does so it mean? Not, sing- not singing is uh, recognizing that the act of singing, what we consider singing, is nothing more and nothing less than just a form of vocal noise. And where we get into trouble as performers is by thinking of singing as its own unique way to use the vocal mechanism. And so if I go about it and, and, and think of it as a completely different thing, then what I wind up with is a form of singing that may eventually be trained to be beautiful, but has no 
connection in it. It doesn't have, it's not communicating anything. It's focused on the sounds and the shapes and all of that of the vowels and the, and the consonants by not singing. My approach is I work people into their singing voices by simply working uh, through their speaking voices and or other noises that we make vocally. So one of the exercises I love to use with singers is uh, I call it I am not singing. And I literally just have them. I, I start I'll start our warm ups by saying we're going to imagine that I've asked if you're singing and you're not. So you're just going to clarify that for me and you'll say I am not singing. And then, of course, they'll repeat it and I'll just keep modeling. I am not singing. 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 And then I turn on my keyboard, which is right here next to me, and I'll keep speaking. I am not singing. 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 And then the next we'll do that a little bit. And then I'll say, okay, now let's elongate that. Because sometimes when we sing, we have to elongate sounds. But when we do that, that's for emphasis. Just like when we speak, sometimes we elongate things for emphasis. So I've asked again if you're singing. And since I didn't get you didn't get it, I didn't get it the first time. You're gonna lay it out there for me. I am not singing. I am not singing. I am not singing. I am not singing. And long and short, we move from, uh, you know, we that's the very beginning, but we move from sounds that are just speech acts into sounds that are undeniably singing, but there's no crossover. <laughs> that's why I call it not singing. There's no moment where it suddenly went from, you know, this was not singing to this was singing. It's just a continuum from a speech act to a speech act where sometimes sounds are elongated and we specify what the, the frequency of the pitch is going to be in advance. But other than that, it's no, it's no different. And those things are both pitch frequency and elongation are both already parts of speech. Anyway, we, we move our pitch up and down. We, depending on the language, sometimes it's actually, you know, tone is critical to the to understanding, uh, not in English, but it is in some other languages. So that's part of it. So that's, that's what I mean by not singing. I want them to approach singing as a communication act and we develop our technique. It isn't that we don't work on technique, but it's that we develop the technique by working from the communication side rather than working from the shape of the vowel or anything like that. Uh, and then when we're done, uh, we have, we we're very flexible. If we need, if we need more space and we need to sing a classical aria, uh, you know, okay, we create a little more space, but it's still my speaking voice. Well, then the right key. No, I have to blow. That's all right. I don't have perfect pitch. Uh, and, and, you know, that's the shape for that. But if I'm singing some musical theater, it's going to be in a brighter space. But it's all going to come from that communication component. It's not going to come from, oh, now this is how I shape this or this is how I shape this. It's it's what am I trying to communicate? What am I trying to say? And and building from that to the more to the to the pitches that's what not singing is it's singing by but with but on a continuum uh, where there's no there's no change between communication and quote unquote singing right as if there is no singing voice it's just right. pointing it's just your standard yeah just just voice interesting yes. okay i've never thought about it being framed that way because i've always assumed 
And I, I mean, I, I'm not a singer in any way, shape or form, but I, I love to sing in, in the shower, uh, obviously, <laughs> uh, like just like everybody else, I hope. Uh, I don't because my got, kids are usually still sleeping. Oh, <laughs> right. Okay. L- luckily, my shower is ever far away from everybody else. So I, I always, uh, sing. Um, and I always like to do tricks like, you know, when you put like folders on the side of your cheeks so that the, mm-hmm. the sound can travel, uh, the sound can travel to to your ears as if you're hearing your own voice from your camera, like from a camera, from a video Mm -hmm. so that you can listen to your actual voice. uh, Cause I've always been conscious about how I've been speaking. Right. And then things like that does, that does help, but let me give you, let me give you one other layer to that. You also get, unless you can put folders that stop the bone conduction inside your face, you're never (laughs) going to get the actual, (laughs) you're never going to get an actual uh, sound of what your real voice sounds like. uh, But with, by doing that, because the primary thing that makes our you know outgoing messages or our podcasts sound different than we think we do is the fact that we also get bone conduction on the inside of our face yeah so there's only so much you can do about that you just for me i've just recorded myself teaching lessons and things so many times that i'm used to the fact that now to me my voice it sounds like this to me um is is that's my voice you know that's what it actually sounds like to the point where i don't even hear that anymore i just am accustomed to Oh, although it may sound like this inside my head, it really just sounds like this to everybody else. And that's my real voice. Yeah, it sets a, a very misunderstood impression of myself when I'm hearing myself speaking out loud. And I'm like, oh, OK, my sound, my voice sounds pretty OK here. And then I listen to the podcast episode like a week uh, later published. I'm like, oh. Wow, I sound like a kid. Uh, I, sound and, like, and, I sound like it like this. It is not, you don't sound like that. I'm so happy. But it sounds like to your ear because you're used to something else, to that more resonant bone conducted sound. Exactly. That's what yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And getting used to that. It's, it's, it's interesting because we seem to have this preconception, and especially from how you're describing it, like where people think that they may not be so creative or people mm-hmm. think they may not know how to sing. They, they're not good enough to sing or right. there's a certain level of maybe imposter syndrome or some level of lacking sure. in confidence uh, behind trying to sing or trying to start a new hobby or maybe getting going into Rome. And I feel like a lot of these emotions or a lot of these feelings overlap um, in that we should be going into this natural state of being when trying out these activities, for example, within singing, instead of actively trying to search for this singing voice that I have discovered within the core of my body, it is exactly the same voice that you're hearing right now, except you learn how to use it in different situations. Yeah, right. That's, it's, that's absolutely it. Right. The situation yeah. can be, oh, there's a crowd of five. You just speak a little bit louder and sometimes they might like to hear a note or, or yeah, something right. like that, or like the sound of a song. I don't know. It could be something like that. Um, but it, it, it's nice to, I, I, I didn't know that there was such a thing as uh, non-singing. It's, it's pretty well, interesting. <laughs> not, not, to, uh, not to brag or anything, but as far as I know, I'm the only person in the world who frames it that way. Now, there probably are others, but I've never actually learned that from somebody else. That came from my own experience and sort of in a, in a, in a long distant pre-Rome version of connecting things, uh, sort of taking a Zen mindset uh, and turning that toward teaching. It's very much Zen in the art of archery. It's very much the inner game of tennis applied to teaching singing uh, so that you're not, the approach is not 
what does it sound like, but what are you trying to communicate? Uh, the approach is uh, not trying to make a beautiful sound, but simply make the sound that is the sound. <laughs> just just make the sound. Uh, it'll be beautiful uh, because, right. it, but you just won't know what it, you won't know what that beauty is if you try to make it yourself, partly because of what we already talked about. It sounds different inside your head than it does out in the world but also because you're self-conscious about it and you're trying to make it something else. Just let it be what it is. Uh, and that's, that's the key. <laughs> and as mentioned, content dictates form, right? So exactly. if you have 100%. amazing clarity on what the content is, then you allow your body to form or create this, you know, experience or this voice that allows you to actually convey that or articulate that. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. I, I like this framing. I'm going to think about it uh, when I sing next time. Uh, Absolutely. The act uh, of non-singing. And besides that, uh, I, I was about to ask, actually, are there any overlaps between trying to coach someone to sing and roam? I'm not actually sure how might that be, but in parallel to that, I know that you are mm -hmm. also doing a few courses uh, surrounding yes. Rome. Mm -hmm. uh, which is fantastic. Uh, I am always uh, on the lookout for how do people package this one amazing tool, which can be overwhelming mm -hmm. um, yes. to anyone who has a certain need and they feel that this tool can help them, but they sure. are a bit lost as to, oh, do I need help? I need, I, I, I need to wrangle all my tasks together. I need to prioritize it. I need to organize it together. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know that you have on one... Uh, I know you have on your website, you have the task management in Rome research, mm -hmm. but um, and I don't know if I can bring this up now, but you did mention in your Twitter DMs mm -hmm. that you are yes. building the, your road to Rome, uh, your road yes. to Rome course, right? Yes. So uh, could you tell me uh, what, what is that about? Because Absolutely. just from the title, yeah. I may have a lot of assumptions, but I would love for you to lay it out for me. Well, you'd just be glad that I didn't go full pun and call it the Appian Way um, and make it all about the actual road to Rome. Um, and yeah, I, I, I resisted the urge, barely, but I did. So your road to Rome is a, a building on the idea that what you need to know to understand how to make Rome work for you is not just how the features work, but also why you need to use them. And, and so... What happens for people, I think, I mentioned this with the blank canvas stuff, when folks are not sure either how to start Rome or they're in it a ways and they feel like there's a lot more power here than than I'm accessing. Uh, this course is designed to help them recognize where those uses are for them. So here's how I'm going about that. Each of the each of the modules of the course, and I mean, it's on teachable, so they call it sections there. But each of the modules of the course is essentially designed with the same structure. There'll be three or four uh, lectures that introduce some new features. Well, not, I mean, Rome features new, maybe to the person who's just starting with Rome. Then <clears> there'll be a section or a lecture that shows how those work together in a sample workflow. And the sample workflows that I that I use in the course are what I call networked notes, just basic note taking, logging meetings, 
journaling or self-coaching, task management, uh, Zettelkasten, uh, creative writing, CRM. So each module has its own workflow that goes along with it. And then this is the this is the critical part for this course and what I think makes it different from, I don't want to, I, I haven't taken other people's courses, so I'm not picking on anybody else's courses. I love anybody who's working in Rome and building a course. Let's all do it, man. I love it. Um, but the, uh, what I think is different here is there's a coaching component because that third thing that's that happens in each module is there's growth toward a capstone that is focused on helping them, prompting them to think about how these features can work within their own workflow and within their life. And what can they draw from this model workflow that can make a difference for them? And then over the course of the course, over the, as you take the journey through the course, building your road to Rome, uh, when you get to the end, you're going to have what will be, I mean, obviously version one, everybody still will tinker as they go, but version one of the tools you need to make Rome do something for you. Uh, and maybe they're simple, and maybe they're more complex or maybe they're somewhere in between. But now you have you know what you're going to do when you go in to use Rome. Uh, you're not restricted. Like I said before, it's not like structure stops you from doing things. Structure makes you comfortable so that you know that you're free to uh, explore. You can still do whatever you want, <laughs> but you now have a thing that tells you that that will help you the scaffolding built that will help you. Uh, do more uh, and get more accomplished toward what you need to do. So in, in short, I introduce features, I show how they work together, and then I prompt you to figure out, okay, well, what are the things here? And we have a circle community where, you know, I hopefully, um, I haven't launched the course yet, but the idea is, you know, I'm going to be there, other people will be there. Each of those assignments will prompt us to discuss things in that community. So you can bounce your ideas for, you know, how you might implement something yourself off of others and get some feedback and play around with that. So that's the basic idea uh, of the course is that it's not just learning the features. It does teach the features, but it's also recognizing how they can make a difference in your work and in your life. Mm, okay. Okay. That's a very fascinating take on it because in for any incoming user of Rome research to go on Twitter and let's, let's just say search Rome cult mm -hmm. or uh, yes. search or follow other members uh, who are avid users of Rome research, they would come across these new features or these new add-ons or these new uh, quality of life updates and or additions to their graph, which run parallel with them trying to learn the tool. Yes. And it feels like you're giving a child a supercar. Like they know it's fast. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> like they know it's fast, but can they handle it? Right. It's it's very it's very different, right? Like what are all the buttons? Like all these pretty buttons. Like <laughs> should I touch them? Should I not? And you know that you know that they can serve you, but because you don't know how, you don't dive into that. Mm -hmm. And only a small percentage of people do. And, and now that you are explaining this to me, I realized that this, this kind of behavior is quite common, actually, especially in yes. Rome Slack. Um, a lot of people are, it, 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 they, they have a firm understanding of, say, a feature like, you know, block referencing or pages or hashtags and attributes, etc. But a lot of the questions stem from the point of a someone's confidence level. Sure. As if they they want to try out a system, they thought about it, but they're like, is this the right way to do it? Is this the wrong way right. to do that? Um 
So how you're doing it through here, which is like examples, and then it works, right? So how does it apply to you? It's it feels good. Like I feel like that would I feel like that would really work really really well. Um, I I think so, and I think what you know you have to see something in context to understand how it really works. And of course, the context may be slightly different from what you need, which is why I want to prompt the exploration as well. But until you've got even that basic grasp of how the tools interact, I don't think um, I don't I, I don't think you're well positioned to recognize how they work for you. You know, you have to kind of see how they work together uh, to reference that. So that's that's the definite goal of the course is to sort of fill that uh, fill that spot where people are. They know that they've got something powerful. They just don't know what to do with it. I love your supercar, uh, yeah. you know, analogy there. I think that's absolutely right. Is that and, and I think that's what I think that when somebody comes into Rome and then maybe doesn't stay, that's a big part of the reason is that they just don't know. And I think it's because and I don't mean I, I love the conversation on Twitter around Rome, by the by. I think that Rome, I think the community there, I, I never really did much on Twitter until the until March of this year, um, because I never found a, a community that I, I felt comfortable being part of and but rome the rome cult community despite the name cult that people sometimes are a little standoffish about uh is is so welcoming and warm and you know supportive and it's i think that uh i think that's wonderful that said the the conversation tends toward the tech side of of rome and i think that's great i have rome 42 up on my here as well but an important part of the course for me is that we're not there is no requirement that you use any other add-ons. It's all native Rome because the point is not tricking it out. Uh, you're not taking your supercar and, you know, putting the decals on it or putting in a new engine or, you know, re- reworking the exhaust. I don't know. I'm not a car guy. So maybe I said things that made sense there. Um, but the, uh, uh, what you're doing is you're learning how to drive the car. Right, so the course right. is, the course is built in native Rome, not because I don't think those other things are useful or, 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 potentially powerful or at the very least aesthetically pleasing. Uh, but because I think that those are extras that you are best suited to doing when you understand how to drive the car. And that's, that's where the course comes from is it's not technical anymore. Well, it's not any more technical than Rome itself is. Um, it's, it's just going to work you from the basics of this is what a page is. This is how you connect to a page. This is how you indent. This is why that's important, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and build that little bit. And then you add a little bit about this is how a block is referenced. And this is how, a, you know, you just go little by little. And by the time you get to hopefully module four or five, the it'll start to lock into place that every all of these things interweave. And that if you're doing your pages right and you're referencing your pages right and you're, uh, you know, doing your indenting right, the other stuff will work much more efficiently and much more effectively you just have to you have to know how to you know turn the car on and where the gas pedal is (laughs) before before you start you know trying to dial in the radio to the right thing or trying to uh, map your you know journey from los angeles uh, to new york uh it's it's not going to uh it's not going to do anything for you until you have those basic things down and you understand how they work for you the big one then I, I say this as someone who has yeah. felt that, like exactly that, uh, when sure. I started using Rome in the beginning of this, and my level of guidance was by something quite similar, uh, a different course, uh, mm-hmm. and 
and I learned about the to- uh, I learned about the the features, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And it was only one use case per feature, so mm-hmm. sure that may or may not be relevant to me. So I, I actually forgot most of what that course provided, um, right. but at least it was enough foray for me to. At least it was enough material for me to think like, okay, I should just try to explore this myself and then, you know, trial and sure. error and here I am. Um, I think one big element would be, and I and I think you probably have a great opportunity here, would be to showcase other people's systems yeah. when they go through sure. the course. That's hugely important, especially mm-hmm. when someone, which which is the huge part of this this problem that we're having here, uh, people's confidence levels in their systems. Yes. Like we default to, the systems of people who we deem to be successful Romans and yes. we try to emulate their system. Uh, I I see the logic behind that. I see the rationale, but I can never agree with that because a Rome graph is so personal and so intimate, I would not want to copy somebody else's brain into my own <laughs> right. system, right? It's yes. my own It's my own bloody blocks, right? It's my, what I, my, yes. my words. Um, so even if I see, for example, like how we were comparing systems just now, even if you were explaining to me your templates and how you were going through your days, I can see some overlaps, but I may disagree or agree with some of them, sure. yet I can understand. It's enough to provoke me into thinking about, okay, if I'm looking at my system right now, what can I do to tinker with it, to add a little bit more, to test mm-hmm. this out? to fail and try again after hearing RJ's systems, which is great. Like the more yeah. that we have environments like that to look into our graph and think, okay, there, there there's something to be done here, but I want to do it myself, mm-hmm. but I want to see inspirations, inspirations and nothing more, not complete clones, but inspirations. I think there's, there's exactly the it. That's opportunity the goal. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely, you're absolutely on it. And I, and I think if, if, and whether it's through this course or or what, I don't know. I I, I want to be um, someone who can help empower people to use Rome for themselves. And, and I think, and I think at the heart of Rome, that's you know most people's goals. <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't mean to suggest that I've you know that's I've, I've somehow out of the corner on the market of that. But I I think that you have to give them space and you have to give them, this is really important. They have to be able to receive feedback (laughs) because you don't, you can't, you can't figure out if something's working. um, If you're constantly worried that it's not the right way of doing it. Uh, And so there is no such thing incidentally as the right way (laughs) in any way, in anything in the world, there's, you know, this may work a little better than that for you, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's right or wrong. Um, even for you, uh, there may be other ways that work a little better. Just keep iterating, keep doing. Yeah. And that's what I want to do is I want to help people start that iteration process and discover that they are empowered to do that themselves. So I, I yeah, I love what you said there. That's exactly what I'm, what I'm hoping that we can do. And on paving the road to <laughs> Rome as you're building this course uh, over time, is there anything that you want to see more of out of Rome research the tool or the community, or do you have like a few ideas in your head that you're thinking, okay, if I can do this in Rome, but it's still coming up, it's still in the future. Um, any uh, takes on that? I think that if, if uh, the only thing I would love to see more of in the community is a recognition um, of what we already talked about here, that it doesn't, it, it's more valuable. I shouldn't say more valuable. It's just as valuable to help people recognize 
how to use it as it is to focus on you know new features or new or new or new um add-ons or extensions or things that that make it more powerful uh those things are great i have nothing against those things but sometimes the community leans more toward that and i'm afraid i'm not afraid because i don't think it's going to happen but uh, the 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 end result of that could be that the user base, you know, declines ultimately because there aren't enough people who recognize how valuable Rome could be for them. And uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, that's long-term and not a big deal. I'm not, I'm not talking about the business model or anything like that. Cause I actually think that I actually think that the company does a pretty good job of uh, not getting too bogged down in that they're just focused on building a good tool, you know, and sometimes, you know, they're, they're, they're focused on building a good tool um, uh, leads to being sort of, uh, a lot of tools that are half thought out, but I'm cool with that <laughs> because I like <laughs> actually like fiddling with them and, and doing that. So that doesn't bother me. Yeah. I just, <clears throat> I want the, uh, I want to be part of helping people recognize how to use it. Um, and I, and I, I think that that exists within the community uh, too. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just, um, I hope that that's the, the direction that we continue to move in is, is not toward, um, uh, not toward exclusivity, but continue that focus toward inclusive, inclusive, including people. I don't, my, my words escaped me there for a second. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I do want to, I do want to support that mission as well. It's, it's like the tool is already amazing right now. Right. right. Exactly. Right? Like not even with 42, not even with these amazing themes out there. Uh, even though the sidebar themes uh, have just been broken because of the recent updates, but that's, that's right. a whole other thing altogether. But, but uh, I love, I love that new sidebar. I, the sidebar is really good, uh, but uh, Zenith is broken, so I'm waiting for yes. Aslan to come up and uh, uh, repair it. So hopefully, by the time this episode episode is out, uh, it should there be fixed. But, yes. um, but, but really, current systems made by people that are unique to them, and mm-hmm. or inspired by those that they've seen, you know, from videos or whatever. And to see that work and to see that being accepted, that's huge. It's, it's huge because we want to see this amazing gallery or this amazing plethora of how people set up their own Rome graph in the pursuit of trying to find our own. And I think it boils down to, I think it was Austin Kleon that said like to, to steal work or to copy, not, not to copy, Mm -hmm. but to steal uh, the work of an artist so you can deconstruct it and learn how it is made so that you can construct your own version. Um, it's the same here, especially with a medium or a format like a network thought graph or a knowledge graph. It's it's paramount because these are the thoughts that you have recorded, yeah. right? Like no one is going to have these blocks except you until you have it as a public graph and then people can sure. block graph it. But, but still you are the author of your own graph. You have the responsibility of trying to find or create that form that your content will dictate over time. But it's just a matter of being, being, you know, uh, provoked or being prompted rather with case studies and success stories and amazing examples and videos and even images of other people's uh, use cases that don't have to depend on technical superiority. 
like yes. all of these amazing add-ons. Even though I'm, my, I'm, I'm already, I'm so devoted to 42. It's, it's crazy. But that's a whole <laughs> story. But I love it. Yeah, yeah, that, this is, in no way do I mean to, you know, uh, disparage any of those things. I think they're magnificent tools, and I think that the people who are creating them are doing amazing things. And, yeah. and of course, even you know, mentioning my courses, I have my. A powerful task management in Rome research course as well that's been out for a few weeks now. And it is more along the lines of, well, okay, this is how you manage tasks in Rome. So it's it is more along the line of saying this is how you do it. Now, I hope that people understand that when you're in we're in the circle community and if people we have we have some you know interaction going on in there. I don't expect that people or or think that people should take it and just do exactly the way I do it by all yeah. means adapt it to what you need, but it is a structure. It is, it is a very, I saw somebody ask you on, on Twitter for, to, to, to ask me about uh, whether it's a uh, pure uh, GTD or not. Yes. Uh, almost, <laughs> almost entirely. It's pretty pure GTD. Um, the only thing that I would say that I maybe added to it was I incorporated the agenda idea uh, mainly because I think that, uh, for me, I have so many irons in the fire. I'm, I'm trying to keep track of so many different things. Sometimes uh, with the next actions, it's helpful if I've thought through them uh, the night before. Um, and so that I'm not just sitting in, you know, I don't have to go look at all of the various things that are going on, but I can look at the subset of three or four um, that I had, you know, wanted to get done today. Other than that, which is not native uh gtd but otherwise it is yeah it's it's pretty much gtd and <laughs> it's uh, just built out in rome in a way that i think rome supports very well queries and block references make it really really interesting and powerful uh in a way that you, i never would have been able to pull off in todoist even though the todoist filters were powerful it still wasn't quite like this so anyway, yeah, I, w I will mention that point uh, that I do. I do have a side of me that dictates a little bit, but I do want I want people to understand that even if even in a course like that, I encourage them to look for their own, uh, you know, their own ways of adapting it and recognizing how what parts work for them and what parts, you know, they need to adjust and what parts don't work for them. That's that kind of stuff. Yeah, that way of thinking is also very useful, especially when you're trying to build your own graph system <laughs> yes. and yes. you would maybe go into a course to figure out what you don't like which is great, right? That's yeah. actually really, really good. Like I mm -hmm. honestly appreciate courses that tell me things that I would vehemently disagree with, right? Because <laughs> right. I will exactly. now never go into that rabbit hole. I save yes. my energy and my time and it's focused on something else. So uh, that's, that's beautiful. And uh, we are coming up on time, but sure. I do want to close off with a couple of segments at the end. The first one is, mm -hmm. And I, I'm really curious about your answer to this, actually. How would you describe Rome to someone who hasn't started using it yet? Uh, Rome takes your chaos and turns it into insight. And the, the challenge, of course, with Rome is that there are so many different forms of potential chaos. You know, in my particular realm of coaching, I, you know, focus on creativity and productivity and communication. Rome can handle all of those. Your input can be chaotic and you work with it and it becomes, you know, something that is linear. It's very much like the how to take smart notes, uh, you know, point of view of that, uh, which is true, that the writing the process is nonlinear. A paper that you produce from it is linear. Uh, Rome is the thing that that lives in the middle um, of that nonlinear or chaotic process and turns it into something actionable if it's a, if it's pr productivity or something insightful if it's communication or something you know or or you know something uh, interesting and and exciting if it's creativity whatever that may be 
Rome is the tool that takes the chaos or let's, I should rephrase that. This is what I love about Rome. Rome is a coach, much like I'm a coach. Rome does not do the thing for you. Rome facilitates the doing. Uh, and I, as a coach, I don't, you don't hire me to come in and do your work for you. You hire me to come in and empower you to understand how you can do that work to give you tools and to structure. Rome's the same thing. You come in, you bring your stuff in, you now have a tool to take that chaos and that mess that is your work or your life and turn it into something that is insightful or productive or meaningful. That's what Rome is. Now, how to go about doing that, uh, you know, that's the, that's that's the biggest challenge with Rome. It, it's this is true of any kind of product. They say the product that's for any for, for everyone isn't for anyone. You know, it, you have to you have to find ways to specify it. But that's what I'm hoping to do with like with your road to Rome is to help people recognize that the specific lives within you. Uh, you know, we're that's where we're that's the power of Rome is it allows whatever is specific that you are creating, whatever your specific chaos is, um, it'll help you turn it into something uh, meaningful. Meaningful only if we have to articulate right. well, it yes, into exactly. the world, right? Because exactly. uh, exactly. I've always under the firm belief know. that, yes. I've always been under the firm belief that uh, chaos that we have in our head is mm -hmm. actually order within self. And sure. to transform it into societal order is to turn it into linearity right which yes. is where you have something like rome which is an amazing tool for transforming whatever the heck you were thinking about in your head into something that is presentable right to present yes. something is when we think oh it's insightful etc right but then if you actually pick into the bar uh dive into the mind of someone who has been thinking in chaos or in or my analogy for it would be always thinking in madness uh, <laughs> yes. is uh, it, it's a bit too much. We need to navigate it. We need to understand it. We need to deconstruct it. We need to figure out some form of narrative because only through narrative, then we can turn it back into chaos that we understand. Absolutely. Um, and Rome is the mediator of everything within that, that feedback loop, uh, all of all that uh, happening. Exactly. So, Calling Rome as a coach, I think it's a very interesting analogy. I had to use that uh, sometime whenever I try to demonstrate Rome to someone. And sure. the final question is, what does Rome mean to you? Yeah. Uh, Rome is the tool that I've been waiting for my whole life. Uh, Rome is the thing that uh, allowed me to, you know, take uh, ideas and turn them into uh, into I, I I mentioned earlier that I had my note taking and then outline and then draft thing. All of that felt fine, but it was just a way of forcing a linear thing to do a chaotic job. Uh, whereas Rome is the thing that allows me to actually work in the chaos and feel like I'm, I'm, I'm doing something worthwhile. Uh, it's, you know, it's allowed, it allows me to take, the productivity stuff that I built in Todoist, which again, no, no disrespect to Todoist. I worked there for a lot of years and, and loved it. Uh, but I never felt, I felt like it had to be somewhat ordered before it could go in. Rome still lets me live in the chaos and, and sort it to something that then can become uh, organized. And uh, that, that's what it is. That's what Rome is for me is it's a way to embrace 
that chaos that you were just talking about, the chaos that's in your mind. I can embrace that now and not be concerned about trying to turn it into something before I put it in somewhere. No, I can put it in Rome. I can put it right there in its chaotic form. And it, it's it, then I can process it there and I can get it all the way to the linear. The only thing I can't do in Rome is the very last step of, you know, putting it in the final draft or writing it into a blog post or making it into a video or something like that. I have to actually, actually do something, you know, use some other app or, or, you know, process to do that. But everything, every aspect from the chaos all the way out to the, to the very last step happens in Rome. I have been dreaming of that sort of thing for as long as I've been dreaming of, you know, um, video games where um, all of the characters are completely interactive, uh, but it isn't other people because I don't want to go, you know, I don't want them, you know, to be shooting me every time I, it, I, spawn <laughs> I want them to be NPCs, darn it. But I want them to be NPCs with complete full lives <laughs> is what I'm saying. Um, but the, uh, <laughs> That's why I don't do any online gaming. I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm too old and have too many kids and I don't play enough to get any good at it. so that everybody just completely destroys you when you come into the, I need, <laughs> I need to be graded for me. I used to be the best halo player among my friends and I can't do that anymore. That's all I'm saying. I'm crying now. No, the, it is, it, it, I, I have always wanted that tool that tool that could be the whole process that can take the chaos. That's what Rome has filled something. Well, I think, I don't think I'm alone when I say this, it's almost spiritual. (laughs) I think people it's because it allows me a connection with myself that I have never experienced before on some level I have, but never quite like this. And it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to look back at your thoughts from two months ago that you've forgotten uh, because, you know, it's two months later and you normally you would think, Oh, I wouldn't forget these kind of important things, but you realize you forget them when you go back and you read them. You're like, Oh yeah, I wrote that. Didn't I? (laughs) It's, it gives me that, it gives me that kind of power to be connected to myself in a way that nothing else ever has. So uh, that's, that's, that's a, a disconnected answer, but it means a lot to me is what Rome means to me. No such thing as a disconnected answer when we are talking about Rome research. <laughs> That's right. The tool it was the chaos. That can connect, exactly. Chaotic answer, it was, but, it was but I'm sure it'll be brief. Chaotic exactly. answer, uh, probably yes. ever up until uh, now for every uh, <laughs> talk I ever had, I'm pretty sure. But uh, once you put the transcript into Rome, I'm sure that we can capture That's it. That's right. Exactly. Uh, and also, side note, when I was in boarding school, we would have a lot of uh, offline Halo matches, and I was always mm-hmm. number two. And it was really yes. annoying because we had like the the number one Halo player, which is like living in the room next to me. Anyway, yeah, yes. you brought me a really random memory. Um, right. <laughs> uh, but it it is true, like to have Rome capture all of your thoughts that you may forget in the course of time, which is mm-hmm. a factor we never consider when note taking. Mm-hmm. Time is a factor for anything that we write in. And then we forget about it unless we actually do the energy of like going back to our physical journals and thinking like, oh, what did I, what did I think about during this time? Um, right. But Rome being able to surface this up really, really quickly, really, really seamlessly and give you the tools to connect with each and every single block, each and every single atomic it's amazing. thinking um, allows you to create this amazing net that captures 
everything that we call chaos. And with that in mind, RJ, thank you so much. If we want to contact you for anything that we talked about in this conversation, what is the best way to do that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at RJ Nestor. Uh, you can also go to my website, rjnestor.com, uh, which will will get you into the right area there. And you can see the various things that I'm doing and, and what I'm writing and working on. And uh, that's, yeah, those are probably the best ways because the website also includes, you know, other ways I can be contacted there. So, yeah. And also, of course, the Twitter and uh, RJ's website will be in the show notes to this episode as well as the Rome graph so RJ mm -hmm. thank you so much and I will see you on Twitter or on Halo online if you feel like it <laughs> no it won't happen I'll see you on Twitter <laughs> thank you I appreciate it so much it's great to talk to you today thank you for listening to the show make sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast listening app and for a full version of the show notes to this episode you can check out the public Rome graph the link to that will be in the description right below for more updates comments feedback and suggestions you can reach out to me at rome fm on twitter keep roaming your thoughts and i will see you in the next episode take care <laughs>